Welcome to Footnotes, the Roar podcast where we explore the stories in and around the McGill Library and Archives. Nothing is off topic. We share stories from our collections that are off the wall, out of the box, off the shelves, from us to you, wherever you get your podcast. We have short pods like this one, called Footnotes, and longer pieces called Voices from the Footnotes. Look for these on the website. While the library doors have been closed due to COVID-19, the library staff have been busy. This is the first in a series where we get to know the people behind the desk, or, in the case of the pandemic, behind the screens. Join us as we meet the librarians, archivists, and staff at Roar, the rare collections at the McGill Libraries and Archives. Before we begin, we acknowledge that McGill University is situated on the traditional territory of the Ganyagahaga, a place which has long served as a site of meeting and exchange amongst nations. We recognize and respect the Ganyagahaga as the traditional custodians of the lands and waters on which we meet today. Today we'll meet Christopher Lyons, head librarian at Rare Books and Special Collections at McGill Libraries. So I'm Chris Lyons. I am head librarian of Rare Books and Special Collections at McGill University. I've been in that position for the past four years. So in addition to managing the library, I also curate specific collections, mostly related to 20th century history and Canadian history in particular. The Roy State Special Collection is one of those. Previous to that, I was uh, the Ulster Librarian and head of the Ulster Library of the History of Medicine for a dozen years. So tell me why, why you became a, a librarian and archivist. That's a interesting question. I've um, had a lifelong passion for uh, history, in particular Canadian history and books in reading. One of my earliest memories is as a three-year-old, in fact, waiting for the local library in the north end of Montreal, where I grew up, to open on a Saturday morning. Now, that was probably the last time I was ever early in my life because I'm a chronic extreme night owl. Um, so I grew up with a love of history and a love of books. I studied history as an undergraduate, worked in a library part-time, and oddly enough, remember saying, and I was about 22 at the time, saying, I would love to do a couple of things. I would love to do a master's in history. I would love to go into library science and be a rare books librarian. But I said, I also like to do international development. So I traveled um, and then went in and worked for CETA, the Canadian International Development Agency in human rights and foreign policy um, in promoting human rights through uh, international development and aid. Then I became idealistic and went into adult education. Then I did a master's in history. Then I did a master's in library science. And then I became a rare books librarian. Now, I don't know what made me think that it would be possible, reasonable to assume that one could have a rare books career, especially when I graduated uh, from library school in 2004. I was married, my wife, is and was a musician with an orchestra here in Montreal. I had a young daughter. And so why I thought I could become a rare books librarian and stay in Montreal and not disrupt everyone's lives um, 
was beyond me. I don't know why. There are more brain surgeons in Canada than there are rare book librarians. But literally, right after I graduated, a position opened up in the History of Medicine Library, the Ulster Library of the History of Medicine. So I got that job. And I've been at McGill now for over 16 years. Wow. Doing things I love. No, I've been exceedingly lucky. Tell me about that that moment of waiting for the library to open when you were young. What were you after? What were you going to go read then? I was, okay, so I was three. And I remember it was like many libraries in Montreal. It was attached to a fire station. The building was probably built in the, given the neighborhood, probably in the 60s. And at that time, I don't know if I could read or not. And I'm not trying to be snot-nosed and know I was so precocious I could read at three. I just don't remember. Uh, but I do remember there was the children's section and the adult section. The children's section, of course, had lower shelves and um, chairs around. And I remember love. I loved looking at books about trains. So I would you know, pull something off the shelves and just look at the pictures. And I always remember the British ones looked weird because British trains looked weird compared to Canadian trains. Or there was, I might've been a bit older at this point. Of course, Dr. Seuss, yes, at that age, Dr. Seuss was was one of the books I remember enjoying the, the series. And so because we lived close by, my brother who was five and me who was three could go on our own to the library. So it's, I just remember it's very vividly. It was a sunny day and we were standing there and there was another kid probably older than us waiting to go in. He had a dime and we were shocked because he was paying an overdue fee fine. And we thought, my God, he's overdoing his books. Like you assume that, I don't know, you'd be hit by a lightning bolt or something if you were late with your books. But so, so it's uh, books and libraries uh, really impress themselves upon me at a very young age. Have you ever been a library delinquent, you know? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. You know, I was one of these people, I'd be working on papers, especially as an undergraduate. So, of course, I have all kinds of books out. And it was always, you know, no, I'll get it done. I'll get it done in time. I'll get the books back in time. I was always late. So I would end up with this stack because, you know, I'd over-research everything. So I'd have like 25 books out on whatever topic. And I remember just hauling them back and, you know, I was friends with a lot of librarians. So I would just hope that whoever was at the desk would just feel sorry for me and wave the fines. And they sometimes did and they sometimes didn't. And um, I was, I guess I thought it was for a good cause or whatever. I, at one point I thought they should rename this library after me. I'm giving them so much money in fines at this point. <laughs> I figured... <laughs> Look to the show notes on our website for additional material and to explore the projects that the Roar team has been working on. Our title song called Happy Sandbox was composed by Mativ and sourced from freesound.org. You can find all the credits in our show notes. Thank you to Professor Natalie Cook, director of this project at Team Roar, and Jacqueline Sundberg, associate producer. I'm Sheetha Lodia, host and producer for this episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>